0: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to argue that true conservatives should welcome and invite and celebrate a good, competitive Republican primary. Let all candidates come to the table, and let the best man or woman win. And then and only then should we rally around our chosen nominee. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to the rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. I hope you had a good weekend. All right, today's topic is this ongoing elevated debate over the Republican primaries. Donald Trump, as you know, has announced that he is a candidate for the 2024 election. And I don't begrudge him that. I'm not saying that we don't want to have a, this discussion. I'm not just trying to put my hands over my ears and say, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil, like some dumb monkey. I'm not doing that. Nor am I suggesting that you should do the same. Now, conservatives should be interested. Actually invite a good debate, a healthy, competitive political primary. That's the way we make the best decisions. As iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. We should do that with one another as we debate and as we discuss everything that's important, whether it be theology or whether it be politics or whether it be the overlap of everything in between. That's what conservatives do, because as I've said how many times on the show you should be able to even predict what I'm going to say next right now. I've said it so many times, Conservatives can do that, and we live in a different and better world because of our interest in sharpening one another with truth. With truth. We can do this comfortably, politely, and in a civil fashion because we trust a referee to blow the whistle on the game. Therefore, why is anybody that claims to be a conservative, a true American patriot, whether you be MAGA or whether you be otherwise, why is anybody? Anxious or nervous over a competitive primary. This is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And as I said in the introduction, bring on the primary. We need all comers at the table. Let the best man or woman win in a competitive primary. Then and only then when we have that should we rally around a chosen nominee. Conservatives don't cancel and shame and shun. We don't do that within our ranks. We don't do that to those who say otherwise, who disagree with us. That's what Democrats do. That's what progressives do. That's the cancel culture. The cancel culture is antithetical to, it's opposite to classical conservatism. It's actually opposite to classical liberalism, because as I've said on the show before, classical liberalism is really what conservatism is today. Classical liberalism is the pursuit of liberty, the fight for freedom, an education in the big ideas that give you more freedom rather than less. Really, the goal of every election should be for you to check the box that will give you more freedom rather than less, to give your neighbor more freedom rather than less. I'm going to share with you today some of the words of Tom Askell, a founder's ministry down in Cape Coral, Florida. Tom Askell has said that he is sick and tired of being called a Christian nationalist just because he believes in freedom, just because he believes in liberty, and just because he believes that he's, he's obeying Jesus' commandment to love his neighbor as himself. And Askel asks this rhetorical question, how can I love my neighbor as myself if I don't vote for more freedom for my neighbor rather than less? Doesn't love call upon me? to fight for my neighbor's freedom just as much as my own. If I want it for myself, if I want to be free, if I want to be left alone, if I want my money to be preserved from theft from the government or anybody else, if I want my property to be protected, if I want my religious freedom to be honored, if I want freedom, then... If I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, then shouldn't I be voting for and fighting for the same for my neighbor? In other words, freedom isn't mine. It's ours. Freedom is kind of like your your street. The street isn't yours in front of your house. It's ours. It's the neighborhood's. You can't just say, well, I don't care. I'm going to shut down the street. If the street falls apart, I don't care. I'm not going to do anything about it. Because I'm not going to get involved. No, you must get involved because it's not your street. It's your neighbor's street, it's everybody's street, and it's not yours to give away. And it's arrogant and selfish for you to suggest otherwise. And when Christians step away from the political debate or conservatives don't fight for the freedom that they want and enjoy, they don't fight for the same for their neighbors, then you're not fulfilling Jesus' commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And I agree with Tom Askel fully. So as we get ready for the rest of the show... And as I get ready to take our early break, remember that a primary is a good thing because it brings all of this stuff into the, into the market square. We debate it. We argue about it. We, we have good, good conversations that are civil. Stop the name-calling. Stop the ad hominem attack. Start, stop fretting and fussing and throwing out all of these fallacious arguments against a conversation, against a debate, against the argument. That's what primaries are for, and we should not be afraid of it. It's not going to divide us. How in the world is it going to divide us? If you've got an open mind, it won't. If you're closed-minded and worshiping personalities, it might. But again, that's not what conservatives do. We're not about personalities. We're about principles. So again, I'll say it before the break, and then when I come back, I'm going to share a couple things with you in this context. Let the primary begin. Bring it on. Celebrate it. Welcome everybody at the table. Let the best man or woman win. And then after all of the primary season is over and we've had that debate and we've chosen our nominee, that's when we rally around that person. If we believe that that candidate is going to bring more freedom to the country, to your county, to your community, to your neighbor. If that candidate will bring more freedom rather than less, then rally around that nominee. We don't cancel, we don't shame, we don't shun, we don't do that as conservatives. Democrats seem to be prone to do that right now. They're the cancel culture. But Republicans can't do the same. Otherwise, we'd, we fail to be much different than our opponents. Conservatives debate messages. We don't shoot the messenger. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout oklahoma whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery the patriot auto group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle and every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind patriot pledge you get engines for life plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance Plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion. So... Last week I kind of hinted at this and, and talked about this a little bit more, but I want to I get deeper into the weeds on this issue of why Republicans should welcome a robust and competitive primary rather than be threatened by it. As you know, um, if you listened to the show last week or if you read my column, I kind of committed the unpardonable sin, at least within conservative ranks. Um, <laughs> I, I spoke that while I am grateful for all that Donald Trump has accomplished, and I mean that sincerely. I've said it on this show before. I'm thankful that he turned out to be something I didn't expect him to be. He turned out to be a champion of my religious freedom, and he allowed his administration to defend it rather than compromise it. I'm grateful for that. I'm I'm, I'm thankful for all that President Trump accomplished, economically as well as many other fronts, such as, First Amendment, Second Amendment, um, border security and definition of the boundaries of the United States, et cetera. I'm grateful for all of that and agree with many of those things. But I argued last week that it's time for Republicans to move on. And I went further to suggest that the GOP has many proven leaders on our political bench that are exceptional. Strong leaders, young leaders, leaders such as Ron DeSantis. Uh, at this time, he seems to be foremost among those leaders because of the way he has responded to many of the crises in Florida. Ranging from COVID to tackling the woke culture, Disney and whatnot, having the spine to take them on and say no. He's taken on the educational administration and the unions in Florida. and He's told them to stop peddling porn in our elementary schools. Now, I don't think DeSantis has gone far enough on some of those things, but I'm grateful that he has the instincts and the courage to go as far as he's gone. He's not perfect, but he's a proven political leader in the conservative ranks. He surely has shown conservative spine, strength, courage. He's shown his stripes. So I argued that we have people on the Republican bench, such as Ron DeSantis or maybe others. Maybe you'd say, well, Ted Cruz or... Nikki Haley, Christy Gnome, Tim Scott. Maybe you have others that you want to include in that. And I say, great, that's a great bench. Tell me who in the Democrat Party measures up to these folks. Tell me why the Democrat bench is stronger than ours. We have the advantage right now, in my view, if you're a conservative. And I believe that there are many of these younger leaders, DeSantis or others, that have a better chance of being elected in 2024 than Donald Trump. Now, when I said that, you can imagine what I got. Uh, I got criticized on both the, all ends of the continuum, and I knew it. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not saying I'm surprised. No, I knew it was coming. Some people shouted treason. How dare you? Donald Trump will destroy Ron DeSantis, and we've got to rally around our president. He's our only hope. That was one of the constant refrains. Now, I did get people saying, get people, excuse me, saying thank you. It needed to be said, but I'm going to focus on This uh, how dare you. We need to rally around Donald Trump response. So is he our only hope? Um, Will Donald Trump beat all challengers? That's the question we should be asking right now. Will he? Can he beat all challengers in his third quest for the presidency? And is doubling down on the Trump brand our only viable option? We shouldn't be arguing about Donald Trump per se... Or Ron DeSantis, per se, we should be arguing, we should be debating freedom. And how do we get more of it rather than less of it? So the question is, is it a foregone conclusion that our former president, Donald Trump, will trounce somebody like Ron DeSantis in an open and robust primary? That's been suggested to me, that we're just wasting our time, we're dividing the party. President Trump, obviously, is going to be to anybody. So why are we wasting our time and why are we being divisive? In a primary season. Well, here's my answer. The simple answer is no. No. At least not now as you look at the data. No. no, Donald Trump will not trounce Ron DeSantis. In fact, it could be argued that Donald Trump is currently way behind. And he's maybe even unelectable that the recent midterms and several subsequent polls prove it. I want you to consider the following. Don't tune me out right now because I said polls. Well, the polls don't mean anything. I'm going, to, I'm going to address that in a second here. So bear with me. So last week's survey of likely Republican voters. This is recent. Last week's survey. I talked about this a little bit last week. A little bit more on it right now. Last week's survey of likely Republican voters, survey conducted by the Club for Growth with a polling firm, now, I want to remind you that the Club for Growth is not one of the bad guys. They were advising Donald Trump in the White House during his administration. So if they disagree now, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't celebrate the Club for Growth when they're advising the president and then excoriate and demonize the Club for Growth if they disagree with the president. I would argue you can't have your cake and eat it, too. So listen to what they're saying. The Club for Growth an organization that advised Donald Trump when he was in the White House, did a poll, and it indicated that in a two-way race between President Trump and Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, that Mr. DeSantis leads Donald Trump in some crucial primary states and leads Trump substantially right now. DeSantis presently outperforms Trump by 11 points in Iowa, 11 percentage points. 15 points in New Hampshire, 20 points in Georgia, and 26 points in Florida. That's very important for us to acknowledge. So don't tell me that Donald Trump is going to trounce Ron DeSantis when he's up that far in the early primary states. All right? That's critical. Now, another survey reported by Alicia Krauss, formerly from the Daily Wire, another conservative, (laughs) trusted source in my view, If you're going to disparage these sources just because they've shared facts that aren't favorable to Donald Trump, then I'd say you're cherry-picking your data. We can't do that. We've got to pay attention to reality. Facts don't care about our feelings. So Alicia Krauss posts a poll that indicates that if the Republican primary were held today, just a two-way race between Trump and DeSantis, that DeSantis beats Trump 43% to 32%. Now, finally, there's another poll that showed Donald Trump is viewed less favorable nationwide than even Joe Biden. Where's that poll? Exit polls from the election, the midterms, midterm elections. Joe Biden outpolls Donald Trump in terms of favorability. Now, neither one of them are any good. They're both terrible. Joe Biden is 36% favorable, but Donald Trump is only 33%, respectively. And here's another one another poll. Of all potential 2024 Republican challengers for the White House, the only one with a higher favorability rate right now than President Biden is, you guessed it, Ron DeSantis. He's the only one. Now, again, let's get back to the polls. Some of you may be tempted to say, but the polls mean nothing. They mean nothing. We've learned that. Polls are always wrong. You've been played, Piper. Quoting all these biased sources doesn't look good on you. Again, you're are you, are you a traitor? Are you betraying us? It's time to cancel you from our social media. We're not going to listen to you on the radio or your podcast anymore. Well, here's, here's what I want to If that's your reaction, or if you're even tempted to think that, I want to remind you that it was President Trump who just a week before the midterms, just the week before the midterms, touted his favorable polls. Okay? he was He was elevating the polls he was using his favorable numbers as a pretext for being the perfunctory Republican nominee for 2024 so here's the obvious question if the polls are good when they make you look good shouldn't they be considered bad when they make you look bad and if the answer is no you've got to admit <laughs> you have to admit that at least there's a bit of inconsistency in your analysis or even worse you might just be like I just said a minute ago, cherry-picking your data and lying with numbers. As the old saying goes, and I said this just a second ago too, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, I want, I, I've never been a never-trumper. It's an awkward sentence, but it's actually a good one. I've never been a never-trumper. I, I, I've been exasperated by those who are, because I think they're fixated on personality. Rather than principles. These people that say, Donald Trump is so awful. I've been a conservative my whole life. I still am a conservative, but I'm going to vote for a Democrat. I No, no. If, if, if you're going to do that, you, I've lost respect for you. If you do anything to aid in the bad, a party that wants to, that believes in infanticide, wants to execute our youngest babies, uh, believe in a party that thinks it's a good, a moral good, to castrate young boys, and sexually mutilate little girls under their banner of trans rights. If you believe in a party that says that women shouldn't have their own bathroom, sports or scholarships or showers, if you believe in a party that argues for all of this lunacy, this this nightmare, this Sodom and Gomorrah nightmare that we're living in right now as they applaud and celebrate and then shame anybody who doesn't agree with them, if you're going to do anything to aid and abet them, then I don't have any respect for you. Don't tell me that you're a conservative. So the never-Trumper posture that leads to that, I don't respect at all. And I've never been that. I've never been a never-Trumper. I have voted for Donald Trump twice. I And I was honored to be part of a small group of Catholics and evangelicals that were invited to meet with him in 2016 to share our concerns about the erosion of our First Amendment rights under Obama and his Orwellian rule. I was... As I've told you before, I was even invited to speak at the inaugural ceremony of the Trump administration's creation of a new division for religious freedom in the Office of Civil Rights, even at the time that I was suing the office for the violation of my religious freedom. You can't make that one up. I was suing the Obama administration Office of Civil Rights for telling us that we had to start providing transgender accommodations and whatnot at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Actually, it was for the violation of our uh, due process rights in adjudicating claims of sexual harassment at Oklahoma Wesleyan. That lawsuit was still in play. Trump gets elected. I get invited to speak at the Office of Civil Rights ceremony where Trump and his administration were launching a new division for religious freedom. So I'm grateful for all this. I thank Mr. Trump for empowering his people, people under his charge, to protect me, to protect my church, and to protect the millions of decent heartland Christians, protect us from the woke mob who are calling hardworking blue-collar folks from the flyover states deplorables. I thank God for Donald Trump, literally, and that he stood in the way of the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and AOC and the squad, the mob, those hell-bent to march over the top of all of us Americans demanding that we bow to their elite and oligarchical rule. I'm grateful that Donald Trump stood in the way of all that. But all of that said, I... And I would argue all like-minded constitutionalists. We've got to remember that we are people of principles, not personalities. Try to remember that. It's alliteration, I know, and I'm prone to do that. And One of the reasons I do that is it helps me remember what I said. It helps me remember something important. There are three Ps here in this sentence. People, principles, and personalities. We are a people. Conservatives are people of principles, not personalities. What does that mean? It means that conservatives don't fall in line to coronate a king. Conservatives don't do that. Conservatives, above all else, should defend our seminal precepts and the self evident truths therein. That's what conservatives do. And I can be grateful to Donald Trump for his service from 2016 to 2020. But at the same time, I can admit, and should admit, that if we nominate him for 2024, I believe, this is my argument, that we're handing the Democrats precisely what they want. They're they're praying that we're foolish enough to do this. The man is getting beat by Ron DeSantis right now. They want us to ignore that. The man is polling... Worse than Joe Biden right now. How can you poll worse than Joe Biden? Joe Biden is, he's got to be the worst president in the history of the United States. He's incoherent, and he's a pathological liar. But Donald Trump is polling worse than him. Oh, you can't trust the polls. Well, if you're going to make that argument, don't ever bring up the polls if Donald Trump is supported by those polls. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. I would argue the Democrats are praying that we're, being, that we're foolish enough to take the bait. That we're foolish enough to defend him against all challenges and challengers because we're offended by the way the Democrats continue to attack him all the time. I understand the temptation to rally around your own and defend them. And I think that's the reason they're playing us right now. The more they attack Donald Trump, the more likely we are to defend him to the point of saying he's our nominee. I think that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, So, here's where I am. It's time for us to stop defending a person and start honoring our principles. If we don't, if we don't recognize the difference between a person and principles, and which is more important in a political contest, our Constitution is going to be ignored and our freedoms are going to be lost for decades to come because we will aid and abet the Democrats in a victory, and they have no, they've proven, they've proven they have no intention of honoring the Constitution. They're actually talking now how it's a product of white supremacy, how we need to get rid of our Constitution and come up with something better, something that's more diverse, equitable, and inclusive, something that's more woke than it is right. Right. That's what they're doing right now. This is becoming a point of open conversation within the Democrat Party and the left. They're actually teaching your kids in your public schools right now that everything I just said is is the way to go. That's why your kids are so confused, and they're embracing socialism rather than recognizing that of all the political systems in the history of humanity, socialism has killed more people quantitatively than any other political system ever thought up by man. And that's just a quantitative fact. You have at least 100 million people that have been executed at the hands of radical socialism. Mao and Lenin, Castro, the list goes on, Pol Pot. The Democrats want to ignore all of those facts. They want to pretend that our Constitution is bad, that it's laden with white supremacy, that it's the product of bad thinking by dead white European males. They want to set it aside. Oh, they'll they'll pledge to defend it, but then they you know they're lying, and so do I. So do they. So if we don't recognize the realities that we're facing right now and start fighting for our principles rather than being distracted by people, a person, our freedoms will be lost for decades to come. So again, I say this, what I said at the beginning of the show bring it on. Bring on the primary. Celebrate the primary. Don't be threatened by it. You need to, I think we need to be begging for four, five, six, eight different quality conservative leaders to enter the primary. All comers should be welcome at the table. And let the competition begin. Let the games begin, and let the best man or woman win. A conservative should not be threatened by that in any way, shape, or form, because only after this happens, only after this competition takes place, only then can we rally around our chosen nominee, the person that we've decided will defend our freedoms better than anybody else, the person that has a better chance of being elected against these crazy leftists on the other side of the political aisle. Anybody that's listening to me right now, that's tempted to cancel or shame or shun somebody that disagrees with Donald Trump, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it very simple right now. You're wrong, that's not what conservatives do. You can fight for Donald Trump. You can say he's the better of the two candidates between Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or whoever your other candidate is in the mix. That's fine, I invite you to do so. I'm not offended that you wanna argue your case. Good for you, but let that argument be logical. Let it not be emotional. Focus on the facts. Don't guard your opinions. Because conservatives debate messages. They don't shoot messengers. That's what Democrats do. That's what progressives do. We don't. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.